Let me ask you something. What does it matter if you send me back to the asylum if it doesn't matter to me? I've proven my point. Gordon's been driven mad. I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day. That's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. You had a bad day once, am I right? Oh, I know I am. I can tell. You had a bad day and everything changed. Dressing up like a flying rat doesn't hide it, it screams it. You had a bad day and it drove you as crazy as everybody else told me. You won't admit it. You have to keep pretending that that makes sense, that there's some point to all this struggling. You make me want to puke. I mean, what is it with you? What made you what you are? Girlfriend killed by the mob, maybe? Brother carved up by some mugger? Something like that, I know. Because something like that happened to me. Sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Hey everybody, this is Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. Uh, This is episode number 140. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. And you can help support the Batman Universe by heading to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. I haven't done that in a long time, too. It has been a while, but I am so glad you're back doing it again, Dane. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that, Tim? Uh, so obviously on the last episode it was just me by myself and that was a weird experience i gotta say i only done that one other time recording a podcast just me i was like for the fourth episode of star wars the saga continues and i think it only lasted about eight minutes (laughs) (laughs) it was just me but yes i was you know i was figured uh like I said last week, I know you couldn't make it because you were you're busy, but yeah. didn't want to miss another episode, so I wanted to get one recorded, and so decided to do it by myself since it was kind of last minute, and I got to say thanks to Jordan again. His email covering the last few seasons of Smallville provided tons of content to talk about, so <laughs> that, that made it good work. Filled up time, and it was like I was uh, having a conversation with Jordan through his email through that, so <laughs> he was like the phantom co-host of that episode. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I uh- I was actually surprised it was like 45 minutes or or whatever it was. It was, it was like an hour and a half. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was like 45 minutes. No, it was an hour and a half. I was wow. I, I'm going into it. I was like, man, I'd be really happy if I could make it to a half hour or 45 minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> I well exceeded those expectations, which was nice because it made it like a normal episode. must have been weird um, talking to yourself. Yeah, it was. I won't. Uh, I'll give a little insight to the recording process. I probably had to do the intro about four or five times. Really? <laughs> it was just weird. I got stumbled of certain words as far as like not normally I always like throw a question to you or throw it to you or something like that when right. I mostly, but I just right. had to like continue it on. <laughs> so I stumbled a few times. Oh, got to start over. <laughs> well, that's good, Tim. Um, I'm happy that you you were able a able to do uh, an episode and b to do it by yourself talking to yourself um, by yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was the loner for this one. I was Batman on patrol without Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's good. I mean, 
it's been a while since I've done one of these, right? Yeah, I've been, missed you, Yeah, it's been like a... Has it been a month, too? Around there, yeah, I would say so. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be back doing this. And, um, you know, let's let's just get right into our Darknet Rises Minute by Minute commentary. Uh, this is minute 89 to 90, so we're at the hour and a half mark. So we only have an hour and 15 minutes to go. And we're hitting another big milestone on this commentary process, so an hour and yeah. a half is pretty big. Yeah, it's we're getting there, Tim. Slowly, we're almost at the halfway point. Yeah, yeah we're almost, <laughs> almost, almost at the half point, halfway point. So, uh, just queue up your uh, HD DVD, your um, DVD, your uh, VHS tape, your Beta tape, your laser disc, your Netflix. Uh, what do we call that, Tim? Physical media disc. Physical media disc. And, of course, do not forget your Blockbuster rental because that's probably the most important out of all of those um, media that we don't use anymore. Yep. And don't forget, if you're renting a VHS at Blockbuster Video, you know, you got to rewind it when you're done. Or otherwise, <laughs> you'll get charged like a dollar extra. So... <laughs> Make sure to rewind that tape. You know what I never figured out? How, how did that game? How, how does the game? Um, how, how or how did the game rental work? The video game rental. You never rented too many games. No, I never rented them. I always oh, bought. Wow, them. I, yeah. I rented tons of them. <laughs> probably some where I rented too much. I probably could have bought it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. So, no, yeah, just. Yeah, kind of ahead. standard like you would a DVD movie. Just get it for three days. Sometimes there was four. Or a video store I used to go to, and you just bring it on that day you're supposed to. So, what if you needed more time to beat the game or whatever? You would just have to re-rent it. Yeah, you just have to rent it again. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, if you rented a video game, you couldn't rent a movie, right? No, you could. Oh, you could? I don't think they, yeah, they didn't put a limit on you yeah. know, how much stuff you can rent. Maybe if it was like the same game or same movie, I don't see why you would do that though. But Yeah. <laughs> but there is a game I know that I rented more than any other game. What? What, what was that? It was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Sega Genesis. That's the one where as much time as we rented it, probably could have bought it. And then, you know what? Now that I remember, at the place we were renting it, we were. Yeah. I think they did have somewhere you can buy it. And we were, but uh, I wasn't there. But I remember my brother, like my mom, were, when they were there, kind of trying to buy it, but something was wrong with their credit card machine. It didn't work, so <laughs> they didn't end up buying it. Oh, I see. But it, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is now on like a bunch of Sonic collection discs and on Xbox Live, so I I was able to buy it later on, just not when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm not yeah. on the Sega Genesis. But you know what? I, I actually did rent a video game for Blockbuster. Which one? You know, uh, I think, I think, Tim, it was uh, the first Devil May Cry. Oh, okay. And um, one of the Ninja Gaiden games for uh, PlayStation. So, yeah, I oh, did. Okay. I, don't, I don't know why I forgot that I did. But the first Ninja Gaiden game was only on Xbox, though. That was an exclusive. What was it Ninja Gaiden? They had no, some no, other no, Ninja no, games. It, it was like Shinobi, I think, came out on there. 
No, was it Shinobi? Shinobi's the one with the red uh, thing, right? The red uh, streak. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it was uh, Shinobi. Sorry. Okay. I, th- I thought it was Ninja Gaiden. But yeah, I did. So. Yeah, because I think, yeah, from when you're saying Devil May Cry and Shinobi, they were kind of like maybe a year or two apart from each other. So it's yeah. kind of that time frame. Ninja Gaiden came out like 2004, and those two came like 2001, 2002, I believe. I wonder why um, GameStop didn't try to do that back in there when they were super popular. Yeah, let's do. Maybe it would have been too much of a hassle. <laughs> yeah. I think they wanted more of the sales. actually the the sales of the used titles. That was their big push because all that was profit for them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I don't know. It was a miss op- missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of GameStop, you posted that picture of you to oh, yeah. <laughs> at uh, GameStop. I was just going to say, I'm glad they didn't do the rentals when I was working there back in 2002. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because looking at that picture, of course, uh, Tim's in it and uh, his friend. But it it looks like all of the GameStops look the same because they had like a small counter and like maybe like three feet of space between the front of the counter and the... um, that that uh, case that they kept the, the video yeah. games in. Mm-hmm. Seems like they were all structured the same. Pretty much, yeah. Sometimes the counter would be in different spots of the store, but the layout, like how it was set up, yeah, it was pretty much the same for a lot of stores. Mm-hmm. Did uh, did GameStop ever rent, I mean, uh, sell DVDs or movies? Uh-huh, yeah. They did? We'd take trade-in for DVDs, and then early on it was just used stuff, but eventually we got new we were selling new DVDs. I remember when Star Wars Trilogy came out on DVD for the first time, 2004, we got those in. So. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so if yeah, everyone want to see an old picture of me with a bad haircut <laughs> back in 2002, just follow me on Twitter or look at my Twitter account. You'll see an old Polaroid shot <laughs> of me behind the counter at GameStop. <laughs> Why was that picture taken? It's, it's because it was the opening of, like, the grand opening of the store. Like, Oh, that was a brand new store. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we were just taking pictures of you know all the employees there <laughs> in different spots. Oh, that's good. So, so, so was that like in a strip mall or a, uh, a kind mall? of? Yeah, it's like a little uh, shopping center area. So I buy you know a Ralph's, an Arby's. <laughs> like, yeah. It was only a video game store, that's for sure. Oh, that's good. And GameStop is going pretty, uh, pretty fast, right? Yeah, I, I don't like shopping there anymore. <laughs> if I said that, you know, back in 2002, I'd probably be fired. <laughs> it's weird yeah. because I, every time I would get a new game, it would be from, from GameStop. But now I don't see it as that anymore. I I usually either just buy it online or um, I, I go to Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Best Buy is that new store for some reason. Yeah, Amazon's my new starting up since I've been a Prime member for so long, and you get a discount for new games. Oh that's yeah, let's right. go for new games. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, Amazon Prime, apparently I I have had it for the past couple of years because um, <laughs> and you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know at all. I uh, I must have signed up for it and just forgot. <laughs> Not even for- with the bill came. <laughs> Just forgot about the auto renew because they don't send you anything. Um, no, yeah, w- just when you sho- auto renew, yeah, it just shows up on your monthly statement for your credit card bill, showing that you know you've been charged a hundred bucks from Amazon. Oh yeah, I've never, I, 
I guess I haven't been paying attention because for the last couple of years. But <laughs> I'll just pay this hundred dollar bill. I don't know what it is. I'll just pay. It. Yeah, and like I didn't even know. I was, I was like, oh, I have Amazon Prime. Like, and I've even ordered stuff from Amazon, and I, I still didn't even know I had Amazon Prime. Did you get the two uh, two day free shipping though on all no, your orders? There, there is no uh, two day free shipping here. That's like, that's yeah. one of the big perks of the Prime. Yeah, it's free uh, standard shipping. At least it's still free. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure though, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's our GameStop and Amazon Prime talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know you can get new games at a, big, a pretty good discount on Amazon. So. Oh yeah. See, the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But but I do think we should we should add um, a GameStop DVD purchase to our list of media. Might as well. Yeah. I don't think selling DVDs. Well, yeah. I haven't been in a store in a long time to actually looking for DVDs. So I'm not sure, but I would think if anything, they're mostly Blu-rays now. I wonder if they still sell um, older games. Like, they uh, go back and forth on it. Like sometimes, like at least when I was there, uh, they phased out the Super Nintendo, like N sixty four, yeah, use games, and now they brought it back like a year ago. So they kind of go back and forth on it. Really? Because at our GameStop, so we've we've always had that. You know, the the the, the sort of square cartridge uh, mm-hmm. game uh, Game Boy games, the N sixty four games, the the Super NES games, you know, stuff like that. I wonder. I wonder if they still do that. I think they should. I mean, there's always a market for it. There's always people looking for those old games. I mean, there's some I'd still want to get <laughs> for, like, Super Nintendo. So they're probably harder to find now, but if they have it, or if someone brings it in, they should still take it, I would think. Yeah. I wonder how much you would get for... Um, um, that's like, that's the thing. They'll probably, you probably won't get that much, but they'll charge a lot for it, for like, if it's a rare game. Oh, yeah, I remember sure. just on their website, because one of the... Super Nintendo games I really want to have again is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time. Yeah, I think they're selling like for like sixty bucks. Yo. So <laughs> I <laughs> doubt the person trading it in got anywhere close to that amount for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what I also uh, was always wondering about about GameStop. So let's say you know back when you were working for GameStop, um, it was the the PS2 right PlayStation Two. Yeah, it was and that the, era. The first Xbox, right? Yep. So let's say I bought a brand new uh, PlayStation 2, say the day after it came out, right? Okay. Um, and then the day after that, I turn around and then I sell it to, uh, to, to GameStop. Mm-hmm. How much would I get? Probably get... Mm. So that's at least when percentage? I, you'd probably at least when I was there, you'd get around about a hundred and fifty something like that for it. And that was a three hundred dollar dollar uh, console, right? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. three hundred back then, if I remember right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so it was like in the hundreds. Okay, so pretty much half price. So is is that really? Is it's not worth. Uh, Trading in consoles, right? Only if you want to get if you've had it for a while and want to get a new console or like upgrade to yeah. a new one or like at that era wanted to switch it for an Xbox or a GameCube or something like that, then it would be worth it. Oh, you know, I see. 
make it a, your new console a little cheaper, but at the same time, you probably want to have both. <laughs> it yeah. never works out both. Oh, <laughs> well, that's good. Well, anyway, um, at least now you know if you have a PS4, you can go and exchange it for like $150 at GameStop. So. I hope it's still that way. <laughs> Who knows what yeah. it is now? <laughs> Wouldn't they end that? They, they ended their used game stuff? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that's ever going to go away unless they're forced to for yeah. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's get to our commentary. <laughs> I, I don't know why we're talking about GameStop uh, exchanges. <laughs> and I'll let it to so the dead media format that led into yeah. GameStop. <laughs> All right. So uh, just queue your media up to the um, the 89th minute, and I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right, three, two, one, hit play. The crowd is cheering. Yep. You gotta love those defense signs. Yeah. (laughs) There was the one, I don't know if we missed it already, that like uh, the R that was spelled out the rows that was like in the same font as the Robin logo. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I remember people like uh, saying something about that. Yeah. I do wish the football team was called the Gotham Knights, like the animated series instead of the Rogues. (laughs) That would have been a nice little callback. Yeah. And everything's coming down. But luckily, John Blake is a great driver. <laughs> well, he didn't have to avoid that much. I mean, it was pretty much off the side of his car. His car. That's still a great shot, though. I mean, I mean, they showed it in the trailer with the football field crumbling and the players falling into yeah. it. But it was still amazing to see on the screen. It's not one player is falling right now. <laughs> Some of them had to survive, right? No, just that one guy. <laughs> I mean, they have all that padding. Maybe they didn't fall too far down. <laughs> but we're ending on yeah, John Blake's car flipping, so <laughs> that's a pretty good spot. So you're telling me the entire police force is underneath the is is in the tunnels, except for one guy, two people. <laughs> Not all of them. You Not still see some later. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've had this conversation right. before, but <laughs> right, right. I forgot. I totally forgot. I know it's a you know sticking point or an argument a lot of some people who don't like the Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises having is it. like why did they send the whole police force down there? It's not the whole police force. It's just a a lot of them. Yeah, it's a good amount of them, the majority of them, <laughs> but not all. Um, but anyway, uh, Tim, why don't you tell everybody at home about our featured topic for this episode? Yeah, so. This episode, we're finally going to get into our spoiler review for Batman, The Enemy Within, Episode 1. I know on the last episode by myself, I just gave my general impressions of it, of what I thought, but didn't get into spoiler details because, you know, as me and Dade did for all the episodes for the first season, we compared our playthroughs and wanted to continue that for this one. So now we can get into all that good stuff on the decisions we made and what we thought about the big moments of the game. So throwing the spoiler warning out there if you haven't played the first episode of batman the enemy within yet you might want to skip ahead because we're going to be talking about all the big stuff so um dane i'll throw it to you first since i kind of gave my general impressions on it the last episode of what i thought what did you think of this one just in kind of comparing it to you know the first season you know i'm not gonna lie to you um this one didn't really hold my attention as well as the the first season did or the first uh, episode of the first season interesting um this one was a little more walking and talking kind of a episode kind of like um uh the 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 
Game of Thrones episode <laughs> where they're okay. just, <laughs> you know, in the in, in the beginning, yeah. they're just walking and talking, you mm-hmm. know. Um, this one just didn't, yeah, it, it just didn't hold my attention. Um, and I felt that the riddles that um, the Riddler has for you is kind of like, uh, it's, it, it's, you, you kind of connect the evidence, right? You connect mm-hmm. one thing to another thing, and then you connect the next part, that one thing to the other thing. It didn't really gel well together. I felt it was too, um, I don't know, complicated, overcomplicated, um, to the point where it, it's kind of like it didn't make too much sense. Um, so yeah, th- this one didn't impress me as much. Um, of course, the thing with Lucius really surprised me. Um, yeah, I didn't that was a big Lucius one. <laughs> to uh, die, um, and it's kind of one note after that where everybody is against you. Everybody doesn't like you after that. Um, Tiffany, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, and of course, Amanda, Amanda Waller and uh, her agent. I can't remember her name. Uh, hold on, I got it right here. Uh, Iman. Iman. Um, it's, it was kind of one note. Uh, it just, just, I don't know, it, it kind of fell flat for me. Hmm. Yeah. Um- I kind of know what you're saying about the riddles and solving those puzzles. Those probably weren't the greatest. I would agree there. And yeah, the thing with Lucius where he died, I was not expecting that. And it set yeah. up for some interesting uh, conversations and scenarios afterwards. And I kind of know what you mean about kind of being on the bad side of everyone at moments. But I guess maybe we'll get into that when we go over our decisions. But I kind of salvaged some of those. You know, I was on a pretty good uh, relationship with Gordon by the end of it. And, uh, Amanda Waller's uh, other agent, like the one you just mentioned, but I already forgot her name. <laughs> yeah, Iman. Iman. Iman, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe just depending on what we played through, but I felt like I was able to salvage some of those later on to have at least good status with some of them. But um, one of the big moments that, you know, or part of the game that I'm still fascinated by is, you know, John Doe, was, a.k.a. later to be known as the Joker. <laughs> I was... I won't say surprised that he was showed up in this first episode, but in the situation he appeared in, I thought well, it was pretty surprising. I thought it worked really well. And yeah, the thing with old John Doe and Bruce Wayne's relationship, I'm just so fascinated about how that's going to play out based on my decisions, because I don't know about you, Dane, this is probably going to bite me down the line, but I'm trying real hard to help John Doe and kind of be his friend just to see if there's any possible way it, I could lead him down a different path than the Joker. I mean, I know that's crazy, but it's probably going to happen anyway, no matter my decisions. But I'm, the choices he's given me and the questions I have to answer, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not going to compromise the choices that's going to go against what Batman stands for doing the right thing. But anytime I could, I want to side with John Doe and try to be the friend that he wants to be with Bruce, just to see how far I can take that. Like, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if there's a way you can kind of make it to steer him away from the Joker path. So we'll see. I don't know if you're kind of going about it that way, but that's kind of how I'm playing that relationship with Bruce and John Doe. No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. I mean, they, they call him John Doe. I don't know why they just don't call him the Joker already. Um, 
and you know it's he's going to be the joker and he's he's going to be the joker no matter what you do or say so i i that's what i figured so i was like you know what i'm just going to treat you like how batman would treat joker and just not re- refuse everything uh-huh. don't you know don't lead him on or whatever um but but going back to uh the whole lucius thing it, it's almost like they they put that in there to ride that throughout the entire episode and it kind of didn't it kind of wasn't enough you know what i mean um it it, it just and you know i i don't even know if if riddler was the right villain for this um it certain it certainly didn't seem like it um it doesn't seem like it now it the, the the riddles weren't that good. Um, I, I kind of didn't even like how they made him a little bit older than he is. I mean, he he was there when when Thomas Wayne was was around, and um, yeah, that was one of the different things I actually kind of liked about that. Just the fact that there was one Batman villain. Like, I, if you want to pick one of them, I think it's fine. Where you know he has been around before Batman, and he kind of has a reputation already, but. He comes back out because of Batman and wants to prove himself as a superior intellect. I kind of like that aspect that he was an older villain, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure it's not going to be for everybody who would rather have Riddler, you know, be one of those main Batman villains who came up first when Batman showed up. But I thought this was kind of a unique take for him that I enjoy, which, again, Telltale has been known to do so far, especially last season with characters and stories we've. Uh, you know, known for so long and switching them up a bit and making them just as interesting. So while maybe it was, uh, obviously this is it for Riddler, (laughs) this episode. So maybe it wasn't long enough. It didn't have the length uh, he deserved as far as serving as a Batman villain, but I felt his backstory was kind of unique and different that I like. Maybe it could end without him dying (laughs) and have him, you know, eventually be one of Batman's top rose galleries. But I did like the history they set up for him. Yeah, and plus two. Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of the my final thought of um, this episode is I wish that there was more, or there were more. Uh, I don't know what the right uh, word is meaningful choices or uh, big choices that you had to make. I felt mm. that uh, it, this game didn't really have it. Um, you you look at the their uh, Walking Dead games. Or even their Game of Thrones games, or game. Um, it's you know first episode you're you're choosing who to save and who you know ends up dying, and I felt that this one, yeah, like I said, just fell a little flat. This was kind of like a you know kind of like a filler episode kind of or to to get us to the next part which should be the good part and and that's not to say that this is going to be a bad season you know this is just the first episode and maybe i'm being a little too harsh on it but um yeah this one just kind of wasn't what i expected or wanted um i think part of the fact too is i didn't watch the trailers i didn't you know read anything about it i didn't i didn't even know riddler was going to be in it um, so I think, yeah, I'm just gonna wait for that next episode. Let's see what the Joker's up to. Let's see what Riddler's quote unquote friends are up to. Um, and let's see how like the, all, all of these relationships work out because, um, I'm, 
not quite sure if I should fully trust Amanda Waller. Mm. You know, I don't know if you're in the same boat, but I just don't know. uh, Because, you know, it turns out her agents are being tracked by um, these group of people, you know, including the Riddler. So, you know. Yeah. It's like I've, yeah, playing it pretty close, you know, with her too, or like not agreeing with everything and at the same yeah. time not pushing her away as an enemy but at the same time too because i want to be loyal to gordon because right. he was right. like dismissed from the whole uh case and he was like bumped like he got demoted at the end yeah by waller so like, at the same time i want to be there for gordon but at the same time i you know amanda has information too <laughs> that batman's yeah. gonna need so i'll try to play it down the middle with her but i will say one of my nitpicks of the game that i had that wasn't as good as the first episode from the first season was because remember how a like shocking it was how the first season or the first episode ended of last season where we found out Thomas and Martha Wayne were actually criminals and right. weren't the people we <laughs> right. thought out like blew my mind. Yeah. The way this one ended didn't have the quite impactful cliffhanger where Amanda Waller called Batman Bruce where she knows who he is because you know we've seen that before with Amanda Waller. She usually knows who that Bruce Wayne is Batman so it wasn't that big of a shock in this game and they kind of intended that to be the big shocking cliffhanger ending for this one but at the same time it's like yeah we've seen this tons of times before another batman story so it didn't quite have that same impact like the first episode of the first season did that was kind of probably my biggest complaint and maybe it's just me because i've experienced a lot of those stories maybe for someone this is the first time playing through or experiencing a story between batman and amanda waller would be a huge surprise but I think for most people who are familiar with the character of Amanda Waller, it won't be a big shocking reveal that she knows who Batman is. So is this the, this must be the first time they've ever met in this universe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think they definitely imply that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, definitely going to stick with it. I just... Yeah, because I will say the next episode's coming out. I mean, just looking at, I don't know if you looked at them, where you get to choose what episode you want to play, and they have, like, the background images, and some certain characters are blacked out. Yeah, no, no. I, okay, I, there's I, some I interesting characters showing up. Even the next episode, because we're going to get Harley Quinn. They actually just released the first image of her a few days ago. And, you know, I'm really curious to see how she's going to play into this, you know, knowing what the Joker's circumstances is as John Doe in this story. Are they even going to have a connection? So... I'm going to be anxious to see where, you know, Harley's going to fit into all this. And it looks like Bane's going to be in it. Catwoman's going to come back. So well, the next episodes definitely have some stuff to be excited for, like, for me anyway. So hopefully you'll get there too, Dane. Yeah. Yeah. What I did like was, um, you know, when you go back to the Batcave? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but if you walk past, like, like, your, like where they place your character and then... Um, you got to make your way to the bad computer. Mm-hmm. There's a trophy display. Yeah, it has the the penguin's mask, uh, Catwoman's. Um, oh, what is that? Uh, her magnet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the last one? Tim? Uh, Lady Arkham's mask. Oh, Lady Arkham's mask. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. That was a great callback to the um, to the first game, um, and also. It, you know how you can um you know how you can uh link your email or your uh telltale account to the to the first game and the second game uh-huh. so your choices transfer over yeah it seems that i mean i, I don't know if it's going to be uh come into play later on in the game but 
I'm just wondering if there's going if there's going to be a um, uh, like you're going to see your choices in this new game in season two. I would like to think so. I mean, they had to put that in there for a reason. Yeah. I'm guessing maybe once, well, even with your conversation with Joker or John Doe, yeah. <laughs> kind of depended on what you did in the last game too and how you left things with him. And then I'm sure when Catwoman shows up in a few episodes, it'll call back to, you know, what went down in the first season between Bruce and her and Harvey and all that. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say there'll be stuff from the first game and the choices you made there that will affect the second season. So, yeah, hopefully. Um, so anyway, did you want to get into the uh, questions? Or the yeah, one? let's see what choices we made. All right. So this one was a little different from uh, season one because there were the uh, did you do this question. I mean, um, you know, results. But mm. uh, before that, there was um, some other things. So I don't know if you remember what you how you left things with people, Tim. Okay, yeah, we'll see. Because I got all the the main questions, the five ones that yeah. they have the percentages of what you did. I got those saved and ready to go. But those first ones, yeah, we'll see if I can recall those because okay. <laughs> I did save those ones. All right, did did how did you leave Iman? Like um, at the end of the game? Yeah. Well, because I did save her. Yeah, you so saved she her, right? Yeah. All right, so yours was probably guilt ridden. Um. And that is uh, 44.4% uh, percent of players did. Yeah, no, yeah, she was feeling a little guilty. Yeah. <laughs> now that I remember. And now, did you leave Joker hopeful? You'll meet his friends? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, so did I. Ah, see, you are being a little pal to the Joker, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of wanted the information on... Um, where he thought Riddler was. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 40.9% uh, of players did. Well, I thought that'd be higher. Yeah, me too. Uh, did, did you see Alfred uh, become vengeful? Um, you know, in the Batcave with... Yeah, uh, when they're watching the video, right? Yeah, Lucius. yeah. You know what? He, uh, he did calm down at the end, but and then he stopped. He wanted to stop watching the video. Yeah. Like he had to look away, so I don't know if that counted. I think he says something like, uh, hmm. I'm gonna say no because he didn't, if I remember right, he wasn't too, you know, wanting revenge so badly. <laughs> so I'm gonna say no. Okay, well, I did, uh, and 81.2% of players did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you leave Tiffany furious? Uh, apparently I did and I didn't mean to <laughs> yeah, me neither so, <laughs> I don't know how you avoid that but uh, yeah. or maybe you lie to her because I, I think lie was one option yeah that would make sense if you try yeah. to sugarcoat everything <laughs> yeah but she, she's gonna find out eventually so I figure just be upfront and honest about yeah it. that's what I thought <laughs> um, so yeah I did 84.6% um, of players did Tim um did you and Gordon become steadfastly loyal? Yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, 72.2% player, of players did. Um, and finally, oh no, we still got three more. Uh, how was your relationship with Amanda Waller? Strained? No, I wouldn't say strained. Uh, like I said, like I can't remember... I don't know what the yeah. exact 
wording of it's going to be, but it's still, you know, the door's open for us to still have a working relationship, so. Yeah, it, mine is strained. <laughs> <laughs> you just weren't having it with Waller. Yeah, 67.7% of players uh, left it that way. Uh, what did you tell Tiffany about Lucius's death? Uh, did yeah, you tell her going by that we were yeah that Bruce involved? was involved yeah yeah okay so uh, 84.6% did 15.4% uh, didn't um, okay so and finally uh, what did you tell Gordon about your connection to Lucius I told him the truth yeah uh, so did I 83.8% uh, uh, confessed good yeah because the way Gordon was how hurt he was when he made yeah. it tell her right away. I was like, okay, I got to come clean. I mean, if anyone's going to be your strongest ally, it's going to be Gordon. So <laughs> got to come clean with him. Uh, 8.4% told Gordon uh, that they couldn't talk about Lucius. And one3 were silent. <laughs> come on, guys. And, it's Gordon. And Tim, 6.5% lied. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can't trust Gordon in a Batman story, who can you trust? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, did you choose Maury or Eli? To I go chose after? Uh, Maury to go after. Yeah, me too. 69.8% went after Maury. 302 uh, went after Eli. Yeah, I feel like that was one of those things of taking... Gordon's position in consideration because I think it was like if you go as Batman like it'll upset Waller and Gordon yeah. will get in trouble like gotta leave Gordon out of it Bruce can take care of it himself and if any blame needs to go on anyone it should be on Bruce because I always go into it thinking where you know Batman is you know the main uh, that's Bruce's main personality is Batman so if any like damage or uh, bad publicity whatever goes on Bruce he can deal with it because you know that's not that's what that identity is for to keep it away from Batman so if anything could cause trouble for anyone if it could be put on Bruce that's the choice I'm going to go to alright so how did you get the drive the flash drive from Maury going into the same principle I just made a clean deal with Maury for it oh Tim instead of you know causing a scene getting Waller's men involved there just do it cleanly and I would Bruce could deal with the repercussions later on it. He could figure something out. <laughs> okay, because I used force. Um, <laughs> so and, how'd that go down? <laughs> uh, he just uh, grabs him by the shirt, uh, the, the, the the collar, and um, threatens him. And then um, the his, his men don't do anything. And then you just okay. grab the drive and you leave. Maybe. Um, if <laughs> that's all that happened, maybe I should have chose that. <laughs> uh, 49.2% used force. 50.8% no force. Um, and finally, did you save been... Did you save Iman or the agents? I saved Iman. I, one of the agents died as I did that because... Oh, really? <laughs> you know, I, there was one option where you could try to... I forget what it was, either throw a question out Riddler, try to outsmart him in a way, but it didn't work. I think I'll try that. But at the same time, Batman couldn't let that character who was, who was right by die too. I mean, it was one of those impossible situations. So I had to try to save her cause she was going to be next. So I yeah. did that. And unfortunately one of the other, you know, agents died because of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I saved Iman. Uh, but 
my playthrough, uh, both of both of the agents died. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Only one died for me. So maybe that's why she's guilt ridden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, too, I figured, you know, she's a named character, and those two other guys weren't. So, I mean, I didn't think they were going to play anything into the story. So, yeah. one of them was named Blake too. I was. I think oh, they say really? his first name. It's not John. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. they should have decided to be John Blake. Would have been a nice little nod to Dark Knight Rises. Uh, 33.1% saved Iman, 66.9% uh, saved the agents. Yeah, that's like a big <laughs> percentage difference. I mean, when I did it and it gave me the percentage totals, it was at 17.8% of oh, the players wow. who <laughs> saved Iman and let the agents die. So <laughs> we were on the low percentage on that one. Well, you know, it, I guess in summation, it's... It's an all right game. It wasn't the best. Um, of course, the Lucius thing surprised me. Um, I thought there would be more Batman in this. Uh, that is a good point. Yeah, even some of the reviews I've read said is, this is a more Bruce-centric episode, which at the same time, I, I really don't mind because a lot of those make for some of the harder decision choices, yeah. <laughs> some of the more interesting choices as you're trying to keep your uh, secrets as Batman. So I don't yeah. really mind it when it's Bruce. Oh, and one thing I liked is... Um, how they now give you the option uh, on how you want to take out the the bad guys. Yeah, so you, that's you know, a, that was a cool thing. Yeah, you can like slam them on the table, or you can you know kick them in the head or something. Use you know, your grapple, you t- use something yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I was th- cool. I thought that was a good addition to this, but um, yeah. So so that's our feature topic for this episode. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to say, Tim. Um, no, that's about it. I will say, I guess, probably my favorite moment of the game, I did, I really liked that conversation with John Doe and Bruce at the funeral, because it was just such an awkward setting with Joker showing up there at Lucius's funeral, and you're trying to, you know, sometimes he talks a lot, you gotta shut him down, or <laughs> they'll be quiet, so everyone's kind of staring at you. It's just such a weird, unique setting of seeing Joker and Bruce have a conversation, let alone, you know, seeing them having a conversation. It's kind of, you know, it doesn't happen all the time in Batman stories, but seeing it in a funeral for Lucius Fox, it just made for such a crazy yeah. scenario that, you know, raised some interesting choices in there. So I really liked that moment in the game. That was probably the standout one for me. Yeah, well, the, the standout mo- uh sort of thing for me in that moment was how empty that, that place was for his funeral. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> it was like, well, I guess Lucius didn't talk to people or whatever. <laughs> well, I think most of Wayne Enterprises would have shown up for his funeral. I know. Or that, that lady, the, the the executive chairman or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Poor Lucius, man. <laughs> or maybe his family wanted to be really, really private. But, but then again, oh, yeah, Joker shows up. So... <laughs> Maybe it was a private thing, but uh, anyway, uh, on to our news and discussion topics. Uh, this is going to be all movie centric, not a lot yeah, on the comic was, front. It was a crazy week. <laughs> yeah, with all of the the movies and the, um, you know, it's going to be this. Uh, ben Affleck's not going to be in this in, in the Batman, and then he is going to be in the Batman, and the. Yeah, yeah, Gotham City Sirens has been replaced. Oh, wait, it's still <laughs> happening. It was, it was a crazy week. Yeah, I even sent out a tweet on our Batman account with like, oh, this, it's almost like the Joker is running Warner Brothers. He's putting out all these contradicting info. He's just sitting back, eating some popcorn, watching the fans react to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's that gif of the Joker from Justice League who's having some popcorn. <laughs> Um, it was just crazy. Speaking of the Joker, right? Um, there's going to be a Joker origin movie. 
directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, apparently, it's going to be when Joker was, uh, or it's going to be, you know, it's it's not going to be Jared Leto, which yeah. uh, to me is kind of a good thing because I didn't really feel his Joker was all that great. So, you know, uh, a different take on the Joker, maybe. I think definitely it's going to be a different take. I mean, this is the big shocker <laughs> that came out this week that I don't think anyone was expecting for several reasons. First off, I mean, the people involved, you mentioned Todd Phillips, and then that's being a, a writing the script is going to be Scott Silver, but the big name is Martin Scorsese as a producer for this movie. I mean, this is the idea of him involved in a comic book movie with the Joker. Like, I never would have thought that would happen. <laughs> I mean, just having him... He's not directing, but just the idea of him being involved in some capacity of a comic book movie is pretty crazy. And hopefully it'll work out for something pretty cool. But, I mean, just the idea of getting a Joker origin story was like, made you pause and think, oh, is that really, you know, that whole thing is a necessary? Joker's better when he's a mystery. And I agree that the better Joker stories and the characterization of him is more better when it's, you know, you don't know his background story and it's, you know, there's the multiple choice stuff and the multiple stories he says in the dark Knight rises and mad love. All that stuff is really cool for the character. But at the same time, I don't think it's impossible for a Joker origin story to work. I mean, there are examples of stories and movies where we do know his origin and it makes for a compelling story. I mean, I mentioned it, the killing joke. I mean, he had that line about it being, he prefers his past to be multiple choice, but if he didn't say that line and his actual true origin was the story we got in The Killing Joke of him being the failed comedian and losing his wife, that was a compelling story that I was invested in. And, you know, I thought what is a cool background story and origin for the Joker to have. So that was good. And then, I mean, I can mention Batman 89 served as an origin story for the Joker, showing him working his way through the mob. And Batman the Animated Series is kind of like that, too, where we get hints of his past of working for the Velestra mob and maybe go rise into the ranks in there so that mob connection i thought it's always a cool aspect for the joker to have in his history so there are ways for his origin story to work for making a good compelling you know movie so i don't think that's a big issue the only thing is you know is it necessary for that to happen in the dc extended universe i've kind of felt you know it could work but i just have a feeling it could do more harm than good if not done right if there's contradictions stuff that you know doesn't gel well with Jared Leto's Joker because it's going to be in the past and they're going to be a different actor to do it. But then the other crazy thing about this report was that it's not going to be part of the DC extended universe. It's going to be something completely separate. And I think the report, I mean, uh, it was Deadline who uh, first broke the story and they were saying that this is going to be the launch of a new, you know, banner of films that Warner Brothers is going to have for DC movies, just like these one-shot movies where they're not going to be connected to any continuity. They're going to be their own thing. And that took me by a big surprise, too. I was like, wow, really? They're going that route already? And I think I'm mixed on that, too, because it's going to be, for me anyway, some good and some bad that might come with it. The good in being that filmmakers can do whatever they want, not having to worry about universe building and making it connect to other movies. And we could get some great stories like, this one could potentially be of a cool Joker origin story. But at the same time, too, there's going to be confliction with me where what if, you know, they do something really great in this Joker origin story. They get a great actor to play the Joker. It's a great portrayal of him. 
then you're but that's it this is a standalone movie that's all we're going to get i'm going to be thinking to myself this joker was so great how awesome would it be if it was part of the dceu and, and we could see more of this joker so i think there's going to be a lot of comparison of kind of wishing of like i wish this character from this universe was part of the dceu or vice versa so i think it's going to cause a little <laughs> maybe just for some of the more hardcore fans that are are all bought into the connected shared universe like i am because i just kind of wanted to avoid that i think there's going to be a lot of what ifs where oh, i just wish this joker was the main joker that ben affleck's going to face and as if we get more movies that are standalones that could happen more and more what if they do get a new batman or other characters for these standalone movies you're going to oh i want that batman uh a characterization or his background better than what we're getting the dceu or the dceu one's still better why did they bother with doing another version of this the batman or whatever character you want to use as an example so it could be great i mean we get this in comics all the time elseworld stories one shots that aren't in the main continuity so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in movies too i mean hopefully it's successful and it's the best of both worlds where we're getting the shared universe with some great performances and stories at the same time we're getting these other stories and movies that are using these characters but telling different stories and they're just as good so hopefully it'll work if they they are successful we get more and more of these standalone movies i think they're not going to help but get some scenarios where you wish one character or story element was in the dceu when it's not so that's just always going to be something that's going to be in the back of my mind where i do wish it was just all one shared universe so we can have you know these great backstories and then leading into what we already know in the current movies we're getting so we'll see like i said i'm kind of mixed on it right now at the same time the main thing you just want to hope for is a really good movie so i don't know how are you feeling about these one-shot standalone movies not being part of the dc extended universe are you concerned about it as i am or are you all for it um, well, I'm, I'm glad that you have some positivity to what you think, because, <laughs> uh, for me, no, this is going to be, this is a bad idea. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of what's going on with the X-Men, where there's like five different, <laughs> you know, timelines. <laughs> no universe like, or continuity is more messed up in comic book movies than the X-Men. <laughs> Not only comic book movies, but the comics themselves. That's know, true. Which, yeah. <laughs> I, I Big think, reason why I haven't read any X-Men books for a long time. I think this is uh, the beginning of a kind of a bad idea where it's the DC movie universe isn't that great right now. Sure, we, we, we had Wonder Woman, but uh, we're one for three here, Right. Um, this isn't the, I don't think this is the time to be worrying about Joker origin stories Mm -hmm. or villain origin stories that have nothing to do with the universe you're trying to build. Um, maybe the reason why Marvel was so successful in building their uh, movie universe was because they stuck to one story, one continuous story, and they didn't really have anything else. It was just that one story. It was yep. it was Iron Man, which led into the Avengers, which led into Captain America, which led into all these other things, um, you know, that worked so well together. Uh, and they did that while also making stories where you could just watch that one Captain America movie or Thor movie and you're set. You know that that's a great movie, and you can enjoy that. 
Um, but if, if you want some more of this Marvel Universe, there's also, you know, the Avengers. There's also um, Iron Man and stuff like that. So I just feel like keeping it completely separate from what's going on in the DC movie universe is it's kind of a bad move. Because, like you said, what if this is better than what we got in Suicide Squad mm-hmm. or, or this new Joker and Harley movie or the Batman movie or whatever the Joker is in, right? What if it becomes better? I mean, yeah. what if, you know, it's, it's, it's great. That, then what? Are, are you going to say, we're just playing, you know, this is part of the... You know, DC Universe. Yeah, they had a wreck on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's part of the DC movie universe now. And uh, they have to change, you know, certain aspects of who Jared Leto's Joker is. Oh, I totally agree um, with that. Yeah, that's one of the big concerns I have <laughs> going yeah. into this. But yeah, it's not really, at the same time, it's like, if it's good, yeah, great. But uh, yeah, but it'd just be better if it's all just one cohesive universe that they're trying to build. Yeah, and it's not only that, it's also the fact that why are we focusing on the Joker? I mean, I, know, I understand he's a very popular villain. People still dress up on Halloween as the, you know, the Heath Ledger Joker, uh, even though it's been almost 10 years now. Um, I get he's a popular character, but you have to build your hero base first. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're coming into this uh, DC movie universe not familiar with anything with anything with you know the DC universe i mean sure maybe you know the the trinity right you know superman you know batman you know um wonder woman right but are you really going to care about the joker's origin not really or at least i don't think so um yeah i just don't think this is a good idea this is this should just be, uh, we don't know the Joker's origin, just like it was in, in, um, in the dark Knight. We, I mean, sure. He gives one version of it, but he also tells Rachel another thing, another right. version of it. Um, maybe that's what they're going to be playing at where, you know, Joker is talking to the camera and he tells different stories that don't really connect, but then that's not great storytelling now, is it? Um, so yeah, as for this movie, I just don't think we need it. You need to focus on your heroes. You need to focus on Wonder Woman. You need to re-sign Patty Jenkins. <laughs> you need yeah, to- we keep hearing it's close and close, <laughs> yeah, but it's still not a done deal yet. <laughs> you, of course, need to worry about Ben Affleck. You need to worry about the Batman. You need to worry about this Justice League thing. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that. I mean, we haven't gotten Justice League yet. I mean, <laughs> we're getting all these reports about these exactly. movies involving Joker and Batman characters. And I'm like, can we just get Justice League just get here first? And can I enjoy that for <laughs> a little bit? Make sure that lives up to my expectations. And I'm all geeking out about that. And hopefully it turns out great. And then enjoy that for a while instead of worrying about these other movies that aren't going to be part of the universe and all that it was just the timing of it is just crazy (laughs) yeah uh, it's too much too soon yeah is what i think uh it's (laughs) and if warner brothers is the one all this getting out they gotta do a better job of keeping these (laughs) projects under wraps Uh, it's kind of a let's see what sticks kind of thing um that's what it seems like i mean it's 
I know it's probably not, and they're thinking this out, but when all this stuff yeah. comes out in this short amount of time, it does seem like that. Yeah, exactly. And when it involves the same character, too. And why does it leak so easily? That's what... That's what I don't understand. Um, but, you know, besides that, it's... This is just too much too soon. It's... it's You're rushing yourself. It feels like they're rushing themselves mm-hmm. to try to get something out to... You know, keep the DC universe in in um, everybody's heads. You know, it's just sit back. You know, relax. You know, sit down in a room and write a great movie. You know, and then produce yeah. a great movie and then direct a great movie. Don't you know? Just announce, 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 announce. You know, first it was the 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 sirens. Now it's the Joker movie. Now it's the Joker and Harley movie. Now it's. Um, you know, Cyborg or Green Lantern or Flash. Yeah, you know, can we get Green Lantern off the ground and ready in production before any of these movies? <laughs> Please, that's what I want. <laughs> really, Tim, do you, do you really want them to rush a Green Lantern movie? <laughs> Not rush, but let's get that as far as the priority to get done right before we get all these Joker movies. <laughs> um, but I guess my final thought on this is uh, you should build the Trinity first. You should really focus on that first before you start worrying about even you know the heroes, Flash or yeah. Or I mean, Flash is still in limbo, right? We got Flashpoint yeah. coming, but we got no director yet. Or Green Lantern, or Aquaman, or Cyborg, or all of these other people. You need to you need to get the Trinity down first. You got Wonder Woman, um, and that was a great movie. We're still worried about Superman and Batman. Um, I think you need to build those characters before you start worrying about all of these other characters. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, Marvel didn't go into it, you know, um, okay, so, so we're going to worry about Black Widow, you know, <laughs> we're mm. going to worry about Hawkeye, you know, it was Iron Man, it was Thor, it was Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. And so those were the... The and guys, Hulk. Don't you know? about his movie. <laughs> Hulk, of course, but but those were the guys, you know, and they built around that, you know, Captain America, and you get uh, Black Widow as a cameo, you get Scarlett Johansson as a cameo, and then you have her in the Avengers. You know, it's 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 things like that, right? It's it's not, you know, just announce things and it's so much and it's overwhelming and it's. It's going to be all these things. And what happens to your Trinity? You forgot about the Trinity? Um, that's, I don't know, Tim. I, I, I think you, I've said too much. <laughs> no, but you made valid points, though. I will agree. And before we get into the, real quick, the Joker Harley movie, uh, if we're talking about Batman and we're about Ben Affleck still being you know, involved with the project and then tying in with the whole joker origin film not being part of the dc extended universe another thing that got everyone oh, you know. sorry can i say one more thing tim oh, yeah go ahead even spider-man spider-man now yeah. <laughs> he, he's that character is pretty much the reason why we have these movies even spider-man had a cameo you know he started off in a, as a cameo appearance mm-hmm. yeah and then he got it was his a own great movie. appearance it was a great appearance <laughs> You see, so I think that's what we need more of, not origin movies and solo movies and Joker and Harley movies. I think we need to 
you know, have the Trinity movies, um, maybe Justice League, um, and have all these other characters as cameos. Nope. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Marvel formula is so successful and kind of don't want to see, you know, Warner Brothers copy it exactly, but you got to... I mean, they're just it's so good how they do things. I wouldn't mind if they copied most of what they do and how they built their universe. Cause yeah, yeah. And plus, it obviously, I mean, worked. At this point, I think you, you know, Batman versus Superman wasn't very good. Suicide Squad wasn't. Um, even Man of Steel. Uh, you. No, I'll always maintain that Man of Steel is great. I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I mean. It's I a good, you, it, you it, it's up to it a little bit. A good movie, it. but the big sore thumb in that is Jonathan Kent. I felt that was handled terribly. That was one of the weaker. Well, you know, he had some good scenes. The way they handled his death, I thought was really weak. Yeah. So <laughs> that was one of the more weaker aspects. I, I will give you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think at this point we need to take some lessons that Marvel has learned and apply it to the DC universe, movie universe. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you just want to look in, in your own house, Wonder Woman, that's, that should be your model to look at now. Solo movies and stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so the Batman news that we got where Matt read this comment, I mean, this is from like an interview about a month ago, but just surfaced this week where he had the quote saying that, you know, the Warner brothers approached him and he said, uh, look, it's a standalone. It's not part of the extended universe. What about the Batman? That got everyone thinking, oh, so now we're not only getting a Joker origin movie, but we're getting Matt Reeves' Batman movie as something that's going to be part of a different universe and not connected to the DCEU. And that goes into all the rumors they're hearing about Ben Affleck. Is he still going to do it or not? And that kind of plays to the idea. Well, maybe he won't. And this is their their way to get a new Batman because it'll be in a separate universe. So that caused more fans just speculating, thinking, oh, what's just going to what's going on in the DC extended universe? But thankfully, Matt Reeves did take the Twitter and cleared this up. And so, of course, saying that, you know, his Batman will be part of the DCEU. And he was, that, he was just only talking about the Batman movie and that story is specifically about Batman and it's not about the other DC characters in the universe. There won't be any, you know, cameos or service scenes setting up other stories, which is great, which we wanted from a Batman movie. It doesn't have to set up anything else regarding the other DC characters, but I am really glad it's still part of the DCEU because I would have really mixed feelings on that one if it wasn't connected to it because they set all this set all this stuff up already with Ben Affleck's Batman. And it, it would just be a shame to not get that standalone movie with him part of that universe. So I'm glad Matt Reeves cleared it up, but it was just one of the things that happened this week that made you scratch your head and just think, what is going on here? <laughs> it was just one thing after another this week with all these crazy stories. But that's yeah. one that thankfully yeah. had some resolution. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like, like how does this, how does this happen? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Uh. Yeah, so but yeah, you mentioned the Joker and Harley movie too. That was weird when that came out. First, I thought, uh, did this happen already? This like someone saying something else about the Joker origin story or Suicide Squad two or something like that. But no, it's Joker and Harley are getting their own movie, <laughs> which is separate from Gotham City Sirens and Suicide Squad two. I mean, that was some more conflicting reports because the Hollywood Reporter broke the news about the Joker and Harley movie. And this movie will be in the DCEU with Margot Robbie and Jared Leto. So it's reportedly set to come back. But then you got 
deadline chiming in saying, oh, this is replacing Gotham City Sirens and David Ayer is no longer involved. And then I think they corrected it saying, no, actually, this is uh, separate from Gotham City Sirens. That movie's still happening, but we don't know if David Ayer is involved. So just more confusion and stuff getting mixed up in translation as far as the reporting goes for it. So um, the Joker and Harley stuff, the movie idea, I mean, uh, I don't want to say I'm totally against it because I'm definitely going to see it. It could be cool. I mean, if it's just a straight-up mad love adaption, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> I'll go see that movie in a heartbeat. But at the same time, too, we got Suicide Squad 2 with obviously is going to have Harley. Don't know about the Joker. Maybe he will. Maybe you're not. At this point, I hope he's not since he's going to have this. And Gotham City Sirens, we'll see if Joker's involved with that, too. So one thing I want to avoid in all these DC movies is Joker fatigue because – He's one of the greatest villains, characters of all time in, in fiction. And you'd hate to start feeling where, you know, there's too much of the Joker. Because it should be kind of like a special event when Joker is in a movie. It's a big deal when it happens. But if he starts showing up in all these different movies, it's going to start losing a little bit of that specialness. So I hope they kind of keep his appearances in check. If it's just his next appearance is going to be in the Joker and Harley movie and then hopefully in a Batman uh movie whether it's the batman or maybe some sequels after that that would be cool but i just hope they limit it where you know gotham city sirens i'm excited for that too that could be really cool and i just hope joker will not be involved with that if he's going to be in this joker and harley movie because gotham city sirens i think can tell a really cool story with harley catwoman poison ivy maybe going up against the other crime lords in the gotham underworld like black mask or something that could be really cool so the Joker and Harley movie, we'll have to see. Maybe it will even set up Gotham City Sirens regarding Joker and Harley's relationship. Maybe that will we'll see in that movie what causes her to join up with Catwoman Poison Ivy. It can be a nice lead into that. So um, I'm just kind of a wait and see mode for it. It could be good. I just, like I said, hope we don't get too much Joker where he's overused and it loses some of his specialness. So I just want them to keep that in check because of the movies we know that are coming like i said with suicide squad 2 joker and harley and gotham city sirens let's just keep his roles uh, limited so he still has that specialness when he shows up that screen so <laughs> that's my thoughts on the joker and harley movie uh you already know how i feel yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we move on from this whole dc movie news we got this week uh got some responses from some followers on twitter i put a poll up Mainly about the Joker origin movie, because I first thought that was all we're going to get this week. But no, <laughs> we got some other movie news. But this poll was just in regards to that Joker origin movie. And I think a lot of people are in line with you, Dane, <laughs> because out of 74 votes or 74 votes, 12 percent said it sounds awesome. 20 uh, percent said it could work if done right, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards. 26 percent says just have to wait and see. But 42% said terrible idea. So <laughs> by the poll results and just even seeing most of the reactions on social media, a lot of people aren't too enthusiastic about <laughs> the Joker origin movie. Yeah. A lot of them think it's unnecessary. Just the idea of having Joker with an origin, which, you know, like I said before, it could work if it's done right. But I think at this point, uh, Warner Brothers would have to kind of win over some of the naysayers here who aren't looking forward to it, hopefully with something that's really, really good. And then just a few comments on it. 
Article Asylum on Twitter at Article Asylum said, um, if done right and used as the introduction to an Elseworlds series of films, it's terribly exciting. If not done right, it's just terrible. And then uh, Mark uh, at Der Lemke, or I should say Der underscore Lemke. Got to get your Twitter handle right, <laughs> Mark. So, <laughs> so if people want to follow you, they know the right Twitter handle to look for. So he said, uh, regards to the Joker movie, all he said was, "Buddy, I want five solid films in a row before I believe." <laughs> so, <laughs> he's got a point. I mean, like you said, Dane, Wonder Woman was the first one that was a massive success to a, a wide audience, and it yeah. was critically received well. So they got one down. Let's build on that. And in Mark's case, he needs five more and or four two, more. <laughs> uh, Mark was a big, big fan of, uh, or I should say, the lead up to uh, Batman versus, versus Superman. When I had doubts, yeah. Mark was there to kind of assuage me, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, it's kind of a big letdown for him. So I'm definitely in his boat, though. Um, I think we need five solid movies before we get to this Joker origin. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that will be the case. Because so. <laughs> we're definitely going to get at least five movies i think before we get that joker origin movie i was going to be way down the pipeline so yeah hopefully that's the case yeah so is that it uh did anybody say anything else uh no that's the responses we got for regarding the joker origin movie so thanks everyone for your response and for voting on that poll we sent (laughs) even though you think most of the majority think it's a terrible idea we thank (laughs) you for participating um now on to some good news tim yes Um, the Wonder Woman Blu-ray is going to come out on September 19th, um, but will be ava- available digitally starting August 29th. So two weeks earlier. Yeah, it's uh, still bugging you that Where, <laughs> <laughs> But it's cool. By the time uh, this episode goes up, some yeah. people will be able to see Wonder Woman already, which is cool. But I'll be waiting for the Blu-ray like I always do. <laughs> or three I weeks. Can't wait. Three weeks, right, Tim? Is it three weeks? Hmm. Let me see. I'm looking at a calendar right now. You said it was what September 19th. September 19th is the Blu-ray. Yep. Uh, August You're 29th right. is oh. it's three weeks. Man. <laughs> <laughs> just buy both, yeah. Tim. That's what I do sometimes. I just buy both. If they didn't pack in the digital code with the Blu-ray, I would do it in a heartbeat. But because they give us that digital code, it's like I could wait a little <laughs> bit longer. But three weeks. <laughs> Plus two. It's one Roman. I mean, she's our great hope. I know. This is going to be good. (laughs) But it's Um, crazy, though. Wonder Woman is going to be out digitally this coming Tuesday as we're recording this podcast. I know. That's good. It's Um, still playing in my local theater, and I'm sure a bunch of other theaters, too. It's crazy. It's awesome. That's good. That's what we need. Um, Yeah. And, of course, it's it's an awesome movie. But um, the Ultra HD uh, Blu-ray, I would say HD DVD. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the one we'd be getting if it was coming out on hd dvd <laughs> i'm getting i am getting the laser disc version tim uh, okay well i'm getting the vhs version <laughs> yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna rent it from blockbuster um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ultra hd blu-ray is gonna be 44.95 uh the blu-ray 3d combo pack wow they do that mm-hmm yep mm. Is also forty four ninety five. Uh, the Blu Ray combo pack is going to be thirty five ninety nine, and the DVD is going to be twenty eight ninety eight. 
Really? So, $28 for a DVD? I know. Well, that's what IGN says. Um, I mean, you know how those you know list pricing, they're always more expensive than the actual yeah. store are. So, but still, it just sounds too expensive. Yeah, $28 I know. For DVD. Well, maybe they're trying to encourage you to get a Blu-ray player. <laughs> well, um, I got a... I'm really I'm starting to look for a new 4K HD DV or TV now because really I I wanted to get one for when the new because a lot of the new gaming stuffs can be in 4K now the Xbox yeah. and also Xbox One S so I wanted to get one kind of this fall winter but the TV I have now there's like these blue bars on the side of it like oh. these blue lighting bars like Ugh. <laughs> so it's like the TV's telling me it's time yeah. <laughs> so I might be getting one sooner or later I'm still kind of looking around to see which one's the best one and for a good price so but i might be getting a 4k tv soon which means i might have to start buying some ultra hd 4k movies so i know all the dc extended universe movies are on there so and then marvel just put out guardians of the galaxy volume 2 as their first 4k movie release and then if star wars ever gets announced for 4k it's done <laughs> if i don't have some by then i'll definitely have it when a star wars movie hits 4k <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Guardians, uh, Guardians 2, mm-hmm. I rented it. Oh, you did rent uh, it? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to watch it after we're done here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to watch it tonight, too. I got the Blu-ray on Tuesday, but I usually watch the movies on the weekend. So I've <laughs> <laughs> been dying to see it again. I, I loved it. So I don't, I don't want to build it up too much for you, Dane. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Stop. Just stop right there, Tim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Blu-ray versions include a new bonus scene that wasn't shown in theaters. Um, so I guess buy, buy it on Blu-ray because, you know, that's that's kind of what's in right now. I guess that's what they're trying to say, Tim. With the 2898 DVD. <laughs> With less special features, too. With less so. <laughs> special features. Um, get the Blu-ray because... Unless, unless you have a 4K better. TV, get the 4K one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, that's it for our news. Uh, we ended on a positive note, which is always good. Yeah, which is always good. And now we have an email from Jordan. Yes, we do. And Jordan, as always, says, "Hey, Tim and Dane and Alex, glad I was able to help give you some more uh, to talk about last episode with Dane Gunn. I really enjoyed hearing your take on my thoughts regarding the small bill." I expect this email won't be as long, given that I'm not talking about five and a half seasons of a TV show in it. I'm glad you agree with me about how amazing the early seasons of Smallville were. I think I heard someone say recently that you might as well just skip ahead to season seven, and I just don't get that at all. Even if I did think the later versions were better, you wouldn't have such strong emotional connection to the characters without watching the early seasons. The long journey that you take with them is one of the strongest aspects of the show. I agree. I think that in general of all shows, if you're going to watch a TV series, even if you know there's bad seasons, you just got to watch it all. You just have to, just to get the full story of the characters. That's just a general rule of thumb. I like that when watching stuff. Tim, I didn't realize you have read volume two of the season 11 comics as well. I guess I can talk more in depth about them then. Spoilers, I love Smallville's take on Batman. First off, the costume is awesome. When he infuses the bat symbol uh, with uh, the red sun, uh, yeah, with the red sun, it looks like the Batman Beyond suit. I love, I love how you just like the. Ba- uh, let me try reading that again. I love how just like the Beyond suit, Bruce's entire face is covered. However, they made it more logical than the Beyond suit by having Bruce's mouth area painted black, so that it makes sense how his mouth can move. Unlike on the Beyond suit, I thought it was cool how it was just Bruce and Barbara working together at first. 
I don't want to spoil something in a later volume, but take note of my use of it at first. Barbara is my favorite member of the Bat family other than Batman, and to my knowledge, there's only been one other time when she's been Batman's first sidekick in the animated series, The Batman. I love the way they did it on The Batman, and I love the way they did it in the Smallville comics. Giving her the Nightwing alias was an odd choice. I don't really see the reason for it, but I don't mind. Although they told a really emotional and compelling story with Batman tracking down Joe Chill in Metropolis, Batman and Superman have a pretty awesome fight before the team-up, and at the end of the arc, there's an incredible scene between the two of them in Crime Alley. Batman in the Smallville comics was more than, satis- was more than a satisfying payoff in, to Chloe's mention in Season 10 of having met a billionaire with high-tech toys. Yeah, I agree, Jordan. Those Season 11 Batman issues are really cool, especially coming off the right after the finale, just a few months, I believe, when those comics came out. And it was, I only read up to that point of the Batman stories, but it was really good, like you said. The setup for it, where Batman was looking into uh, the murder of his parents by Joe Chill in Metropolis, I thought was the perfect way to set up their meeting and their first encounter. So glad you enjoyed it, too. It was a long time coming, <laughs> that's for sure, getting Batman into that universe. But Jordan continues saying, It's sad for us fans that Andrea Romano is retiring, but I wish her well in her retirement. We have her to thank for helping us get many of the tremendous voice performances in DC animation and a couple of DC video games, too, over the years. Pretty much any time I listen to an interview with an actor from a show on which she was a casting and or voice director, they praise her for the brilliant work that she did. I thought the trailer for Batman vs. Two-Face looked pretty good. It'll be nice to have one last performance from Adam West's Batman. It was cool to hear William Shatner as both Harvey Dent and Two-Face. I agree that I might not have realized it was him if I heard his Two-Face voice without knowing he had been cast. It sounded really good. I actually think you might be able to stick his Two-Face voice in a serious Batman movie and have it work. It looks like the Two-Face isn't the only villain who didn't appear on the show that we're getting in this film. Hugo Strange is in it, and am I mistaken, or is the other woman who was there during Harvey's accident supposed to be Harlan Quinzel? One thing I'm wondering about with this movie is how much we're going to see Catwoman. She's on the film's cover art, which led me to believe she'd have a big role just like in Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, but she's only in the trailer very briefly. Yeah, that's a good point, Jordan. I forgot to mention that when I was talking about the Batman versus Two-Face in the episode last time, where Hugo Strange, and I definitely think that is Harlan Quinzel in that trailer serving as that doctor. She looks too much like her, so... It'd be interesting to see how the 66 version of Harley Quinn will be played out. Cause I think she did appear in the 66 comics that they're doing. So, but I haven't read those. And just like, kind of like how I mentioned, we'll see how she plays into her relationship with the Joker in the Telltale games. This will be really interesting as well, seeing how she plays into uh, this version of Joker. So, yeah, hopefully that is her. Cause I think it'd be really cool to see. And Jordan continues saying, "I saw Batman and Harley Quinn at the theater last Monday." And then a second time when it came out on digital. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. So on this email, I'll keep my thoughts spoiler free. I love the movie. The way I've been describing it as a raunchy road trip comedy with Batman, Nightwing, and Harley Quinn. In my opinion, it's the funniest DC movie of all time. I'm usually someone who prefers dark and serious takes on Batman. While I like some of the more comedic takes like Batman 66, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and Lego Batman, they've never been my favorites. However, this movie completely worked for me. It's my favorite comedic take on Batman, and it's one of my favorites of the 30 release of the DC, DCU AOM line since 2007. I laughed so hard multiple times in the film, watching it both in the theater and in, the, and in my encore viewing at home. I still can't figure out if it was intended to be 
in the DCAU canon, or if this is another Superman Brainiac Attacks, which used the DCAU animation style and featured mainly DCAU actors, but wasn't canon. But either way, it was a treat to see the DCAU animation style again, specifically the new Batman Adventure styles, which is my preference over the Batman the Animated Series style. And here Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lesser together in their respective roles of Batman and Nightwing again. As I said in my initial assessment of her based on the trailer and sneak peek of the movie, Melissa Roche is terrific terrific as Harley Quinn. The movie has a lot of fun Easter eggs, not just for the DCAU, but for Batman in general. The film was just hilarious and an entertaining ride. I had a blast with it. Yeah, so the Blu-ray comes out this Tuesday. I'm going to begin it then. And I'm glad you liked it, Jordan. I I did watch your... uh, video review that you posted on youtube and but i stopped when you got to the spoiler section so because i'm waiting to see it for myself and uh your review made me excited for it but i'm going in still with some trepidation because since then i've seen a few clips that were released for it and i gotta see how it all plays out in context in the whole movie but the humor isn't working for me from what i've seen there's this one where there's a fart joke going on in the batmobile which I got to be honest, it made me groan when I saw it. So hopefully there's not too much of that. And some of the more uh, comedy and humorous bits play out a little better than that. So I'm excited for it. But at the same time, I'm a little nervous going into it. So, But you're not the only one I've heard, Jordan, who liked it a lot. So I am hopeful that I'll come out enjoying the story. And like you said, just having Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester working together again is going to be awesome. And I do agree with you, too, that... We're probably in the minority where we prefer the new Batman Adventure style over the animated series. So <laughs> I'm glad it's in that uh, animation style as well. So definitely going to check it out. And I'll, of course, give my review on our next episode when I see it. So we'll see. But he continues saying, Tim, I'm glad to hear you like The Apprentice two-part season one finale of Teen Titans as much as I do. I actually just rewatched it myself this weekend. Cartoon Network is airing reruns of the original Teen Titans series right now. And so I decided to tune in. Ron Perlman just kills it as Slade in the, that episode, and there's some really incredible moments between him and Robin, such as, such as the one I sent you a while back where Robin says, I already have a father. It's even better with context, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was so good, that, those two episodes, <laughs> especially that moment. The only thing that would have made it better if you know there was a little shadow or silhouette of Batman <laughs> as it was transitioning from the next scene with those bats, that would have been cool. But he goes on to say, that fight scene you mentioned on top of Wayne Enterprises is pretty incredible. It really shows Robin's chops that despite not having any powers, he's able to take out fairly easily at that all four of his superpowered teammates. Slade's plan in the episode is pretty brilliant, in an evil way, to force Robin to work with him. However, Robin does something equally smart when he infects himself with the nanoscopic probes. Awesome stuff. Have you started season two yet, Tim? Am I remembering, or did you already watch the Teen Titan episodes of Season 2 after the Teen Titans, the Judas Contract movie was released? Season 2 is arguably the best season of the series. It's between Season 2 and 4 for me, so you in for some more great stuff. I'm particularly interested to hear what you think of the Season 2 premiere, How Long Is Forever? It's one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. Yeah, so you're right, Jordan. After I saw the Judas Contract movie, I didn't watch all of Season 2. I just watched all the episodes that involved Terra, which were great. So I know that's the main story plot for that season involving Terra and Slade and Beast Boy and all that. So I loved all that, and I'm definitely going to watch the second season again and those episodes again as I go through it. So I haven't started it yet. Probably will soon. And let you know on the next episode what I think of the premiere. 
I will say, though, my DVR is finally recording Justice League action. <laughs> I don't know why I set it up when the series first premiered and it never recorded the episode and I fell behind. But it started a few weeks ago and I watched some last night. That series is so much fun. It's like Justice League Brave and the Bold. It's just really great. And Kevin Conroy, Batman's awesome as always. But there are some great unique stories you wouldn't get all the time that make for some really fun, entertaining episodes. So Justice League action, I'm getting back on it. It's been great. And he says, I don't know if you read Dark Knight's Metal number one, so I'll keep my thoughts on that non-sporally. I really liked the issue. I thought it was a pretty big step up from the two prelude issues, which I enjoyed but had me quite confused. I didn't have that problem with the issue. It has an epic action, some breathtaking reveals as we dive into the mystery of the dark multiverse and gorgeous art from Greg Pillow. I'm sorry that you haven't been won over by the war of jokes and riddles yet, Tim. Did Batman 29 change things for you? Well, you'll soon find out, Jordan. (laughs) Uh, I'm about to get into my review, and after the arc got off to a slow start for me as well, this is the third issue in a row I've loved. Spoilers. The idea of Bruce Wayne having dinner with the Joker and the Riddler is brilliant, in my opinion. It reminds me a lot of the interrogation scene from The Dark Knight. You just sit these characters down in a room and let them talk, and brilliance ensues. The dinner had additional emotional resonance given that it was Martha who had the idea to sort problems out over a nine-course meal. Tom Keynes continues to write the Joker really well, in my opinion. At the end of the dinner, he had the line about not remembering whether or not he killed his hostages before coming to Wayne Manor, which I thought was just the most Joker thing ever. In part because of that, though, my guess is that Bruce is going to ally himself with the Riddler to try to win the roar. To me, Riddler seems like the lesser of two evils. I wish we would have gotten another present-day Bat-Cat scene in the issue, but that's really my only quibble with it. I can't wait to see where the story goes from here. We're getting another Kite Man interlude in Batman 30, and regardless of your thoughts on Batman number 29, I bet you're probably as excited for it as I am, Tim. Yes, I will say that Kite Man issue was <laughs> so good, I'm definitely looking forward to another one with him in Batman 30. But, as always, Jordan has a couple of questions to wrap up his email. First off, he goes... How would you rank the upcoming DCU AOM releases announced at Comic-Con in terms of your excitement level? I'm really excited for all three, but if I had to rank them, I'd go number three, Suicide Squad Held to Pay, number two, The Death of Superman, Reign of Superman two-parter, and number one, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, mine's going to be a little different, Jordan. Number three is Suicide Squad. Number two is going to be Gotham by Gaslight, but that uh, inside look of Gotham by Gaslight just kind of leaked online <laughs> already a few days ago, and that movie looks really, really good. I but I haven't read the Gotham by Gaslight comic, and I want to try to before the movie comes out, but uh, it looks very unique, and it sounds like Bruce Greenwood is back as Batman, who I've loved in Under the Red Hood and in uh, Young Justice. They didn't officially say it, but it did sound like him, so I'm hoping that's the case. So, yeah, Gotham by Gaslight looks really cool. But number one is going to be the death of Superman and the reign of the Superman. I'm super excited for that. Hoping it's going to be as epic as the Dark Knight Returns two-parter was. And like I said before, hope it does that story justice unlike Superman Doomsday. So that's easily my number one. And Dane, I don't know if you can rank him because <laughs> I know you don't watch too much of the DC animated movies unless they get my thumbs up <laughs> first. Yeah. So. yeah, I need Tim's thumbs up first before I before I watch these animated movies because... Hey, t- Tim is the best at rating and reviewing these. So, you know, I I I I I don't wait for IGN to review it. I wait, <laughs> I wait for Tim to review it until it gets my stamp of approval. Yeah. 
So I guess right now you should be you should be most excited for the death of Superman, Reign of Superman story. Of course, <laughs> of course, Tim. Because I mean, if you like it, then I like it. That's just the way things go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you see something and have a different opinion, that's all another story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of like uh, Scott Snyder's uh, Mr. Freeze. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest difference in the history of opinions on this podcast <laughs> is going to be that one shot issue. <laughs> yeah. But Jordan's next question is other than the six justice league, justice leaguers themselves, what confirmed character are you most looking forward to seeing in justice league? For me, it's Mara. I'm just really excited to see what they do with Atlantis in general in the DCEU. And I'm also a big fan of Amber Heard. That one clip we saw of her in the first full justice league trailer looked awesome. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. I'm actually more excited about Mara after watching Smallville. I thought they did such a great job with her on that, that I wish she was in more than one episode. It's made me want to see more of the character in live action, which we're fortunately getting in Justice League and then in Aquaman. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, probably won't be a huge shock, but Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I'm really curious to see, you know, J.K. Simmons' portrayal of him. I know it's going to be a small role, but he looks great as Gordon in the shots we've seen of him in the trailer and just looking forward to more conversations with him and Batman, maybe get a little more into their history of what they've been through and uh, Batman's 20 years of working with Gordon. So I think it's going to be fun to see J.K. Simmons take on Gordon. So I'll go with him. How about you, Dane? Uh, for me, I'm going to say a surprise appearance from uh, Plastic Man. <laughs> You're just holding out hope, huh? <laughs> I'm just holding out hope, Tim. I mean, they can do a small little thing like Flash is running through a just supermarket and you see a guy in the background with his arm extended or something. <laughs> or he taps one of the Justice League members' shoulders. You just see this long arm. You don't see it, but you just see a tap, like a <laughs> finger tap on Batman's shoulder or something. Oh, right. <laughs> they right. won't know that's, who it is, but you'll know. Th- that's the mid-credit scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the post-credit scene where it's just like Batman is, I don't know, filling out some paperwork or something. And then all of a sudden you see a long arm or whatever come into view and tap Batman on the show. <laughs> you know, I'm all hoping for a Green Lantern cameo or post credit scene, but if we get that Plastic Man scene, uh, I wouldn't mind at all. And yeah. I'll just be cheering for you, Dave. Like, Dane got it. He got his moment. <laughs> Finally. Finally. I mean, people have been waiting to to see, you know, the Trinity, the, the Trinity on screen or Green Lantern on screen or Flash on screen or whatever. I'm waiting for Plastic Man. I've been waiting, Tim. <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> well, I hope it all works out. Yeah, but I think we'll be waiting a little more. <laughs> I'm waiting for the next reboot. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe he'll get a standalone movie that won't be connected part of the DCEU. <laughs> See, that's why you should be excited about it. There's a better chance for a Plastic Man movie. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But, yep, that's it for Jordan's email. So, as always, oh, that's thank it. you for your email, Jordan, and your questions, and we'll look forward to your next one. All right, Jordan, thank you. Um, now we can get on to, into our comic book reviews. Um, like we said at the beginning of every single comic book review, it's going to be a lot of spoilers. Um, so if you haven't read your books, you might want to pause it right here and then read your books and then come back to us later. Um, because for this episode, we're going to be reviewing Batman number 29 and Dark Knight Metal number 1. So Tim, our rating scale for this episode is going to be uh, consoles that 
or amounts of dollars that you can get from GameStop for returning your consoles. <laughs> there you go. And it's going to be pretty cheap because <laughs> we're going to only go up to five. <laughs> so yeah, Batman number 29. And I am very happy to say that this is the first part in the War of Jokers and Riddles that didn't involve Kite Man <laughs> that I really loved. Yeah, this was a great issue. It was still unique and different, but it worked really, really well. So yeah, as Jordan alluded to in his email, Bruce has invited the Joker and Riddler over for dinner and to try to, you know, settle this war, try to end it, to try to see what he can do to get them to stop and come to an agreement. And yeah, it's great how the idea came from uh, Martha Wayne about how, you know, when problems would arise, it was Grace just best to solve them with a nice meal, you know, a nine-course French dinner. And then as the issue goes on and Bruce tries to talk to the Joker and Riddler, you see the different courses that they're going through and the different points that he had to make during those courses of meals. So it was, just, it was edited and worked out really well in how it was paid. So it was just, like I said, really unique but really well done. You got Joker on one side, Riddler on one side with their uh, gang members and – like the problem I've had with the story was we're not seeing too much of Joker and Riddler and their gang involved in this war. Like we're just getting quick flashes of of events that happen. And we're being told what happened, not being shown. But this one, we're finally being showed of the Joker and Riddler and their gang together, and with Bruce <laughs> inviting them. And it was totally different. I wasn't expecting it. But this is what I'm hoping to see in the story: more involvement from these two characters who are at war with each other. So uh, the whole concept of Bruce. You know, trying to get them to come to agreement over the course of these dinners. First off, he tries to, you know, he just tells them, you know, I know you want Batman. Like, he's the reason for for this war. And, you know, what can I do to help, you know, get the, you to, one of you to get him? So there, through the course of the issue, we get the Joker and the Riddler kind of going over the points of why they want to get Batman, how they would kill Batman. Because that's one of the things that Bruce tells them. Uh, if I'm going to give one of you like a billion dollars, you know, you can like buy out your rivals, a gang, they'd all work for you. So only one would have the resources to kill Batman and end this war. And I just love how Bruce is playing, you know, how Batman's a nut job. He doesn't care about Batman. He's only doing this for Gotham city. The Waynes have helped the city before they're going to do it again. So this is my way of ending this war. I just love how he dismisses Batman, (laughs) even though, you know, it's all part of his plan as Batman to get them to do this. So as Joker and Riddler kind of, you know, go of their points of how they're better for it, how they would do things. It's Batman ends it where, you know, I'm not going to make my decision now because if I disappoint one of you, I'm, you're probably going to kill me for not giving you the money. So I'll give you the decision later. <laughs> so they all leave. And Jordan's right. The way the issue ends where they had hostages just in case, you know, Bruce was setting him up. The police would be there to take him down. They had hostages to prevent that. And Riddler says, yes, Mr. Wayne, we're not monsters. I'll, I'll release mine. <laughs> and Joker did have a great line where he goes, I think I killed my hostages before I came. I don't know. I'll have to check when I get back. <laughs> that was a typical Joker moment. So yeah, some of the best dialogue that I've seen from Joker and Riddler since this story started. So that was nice to see. I also like to how, Throughout the issue, we're seeing them at the table eating dinner. And like I said, both Joker and Riddler were kind of given their cases as far as how they do things with Batman. There's these great little like panels that are kind of the color of like black and white showing, you know, 
showing their scenario that they're talking about. Like Riddler talks about how the way he killed Batman, he'd capture all his loved ones. He shoots them all in the head before, you know, having Batman tied to a rope before he falls and hangs like chokes on that rope. So, and then Joker, you know, has moments where he's just strangling Batman. That's how he wants to kill him. And we see a shadowy display of that. And then there's more moments like that with Joker shooting the Riddler and another shot of the, the Riddler killing the Joker. So, and then and one with Batman looking over the Joker and Riddler's bodies, just great parallels of showing how each one is thinking and how they're going to, you know, do what they're going to do to get Batman. So, like I said, the issue was edited and laid out really, really well. And how it ended too was great where Bruce is talking to Alfred about, you know, my mother would have been horrified of what happened, but he's not necessarily saying because he had all these monsters in his house, but because he let the left, he let the guests leave without giving them dessert or not offering any coffee. He goes, mother would have been, he just goes, well, it just wasn't good. You know, kind of foreshadowing, not foreshadowing, but showing that, you know, he's saying that that's why she'd be disappointed. But when he's saying, you know, it's just not good. He's, I think he's really referring to, you know, just having those villains and monsters in this house. So, yeah, the mystery is still up on who Batman's going to decide to side with because he realizes that, you know, he knows whoever gets the money, the real like the real help he would need to defeat the other one is the one he's going to go to as Batman. So, we still have to wait for that decision. So, yeah, real curious to see where it's going to go, but this issue was by far the best one yet of the War of Jokes and Riddles. That wasn't an origin story for Kite Man. So, I'm going to give this one uh, four and a half out of five dollars that GameStop gives for a used console. So, yeah, even though it's a high ranking, you're not going to get much for your old PlayStation 2. <laughs> Just four dollars and fifty cents. I wonder how much you would get for a play- original PlayStation. Back when I was working there, it was like thirty to fifty dollars, no, no, something no, like that. Uh, now, now, if you um, go- probably don't accept it now. Oh, really? <laughs> if anything, maybe five to ten dollars. So or, you're better or, off just keeping it for old maybe games. Not like uh, the big consoles now. Like maybe if you had like a a Dreamcast. Oh no! Yeah, they, they weren't taking those when I was working there. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, for a little bit. By the time I left, they weren't accepting Dreamcast stuff. And how long did you work there? For two years, from '02 to '04. Oh, well, by '04, there no on the Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> what about the GameCube? Yeah, because that was, you know, it launched like a year before I started, so... Oh, right. That was a big system. Went up during my time there. The Dreamcast, uh... That was being phased out when I started, and pretty much totally phased out when I left. (laughs) I I bought a Dreamcast. So, well, I actually got one when Sega announced they weren't doing... They're getting out of the console business, and they, like, slashed the price for it. That's when I picked one up and got a couple of games for it. I don't remember playing any... (laughs) <laughs> any games on uh, Dreamcast so yeah the big ones I played were Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 uh, there was a Gundam game that came out for it that was pretty cool there was yeah. a Looney Tunes Space Race that I that I got for it that was like a <laughs> Mario Kart <laughs> and then uh, the big one on there was a fighting game uh, the first no not the first but Dead or Alive 2 which was the first time I played that series which was really fun I liked that game a lot then it eventually came out on PS2. <laughs> now, did any of the Resident Evils come out on uh, Dreamcast? Or yeah, they did. they okay, did. Okay, I, I know, I I know Code Veronica was on there. Yeah, I played Code Veronica. Um, I think they remade the f- first one for that. 
or I'm not sure if they remade it or if it was just a port. I, I think it was just a port because the full yeah. remake was when on the GameCube of the first one. I think I'm getting Dreamcast and GameCube confused. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're thinking about that Resident Evil remake, that was definitely GameCube. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as for GameCube, uh, man, I played so much Mario Kart on that. Yeah, the double dash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one was good. I played so much Mario Kart. I played so much um, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, Smash Brothers! Yeah, that that game I played the death on the GameCube. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I liked all the Smash Brothers, but that one on the GameCube, I think, is still my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but as for uh, or GameCube had another game. I can't remember what it was called. It was a horror game. Uh, oh. Uh, Eternal Darkness. It was, yeah, it was really okay. trippy. It was really, yeah. really trippy. Like, <laughs> like, like sometimes like your, um, your uh, the GameCube would blue screen, or More like reset screen. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or reset or. That, it was kind of like was, that boss, the, uh, Psycho Mantis fight in Metal Gear that like yeah, kind of yeah. messed with your yeah, <laughs> console like, you like memory to, card. You would have to um, plug in uh, your controller to the second port. Oh yeah, you'd stuff to, like that. <laughs> you'd have to remove your memory card <laughs> for that. Yeah, that was that was a trippy game. Uh, Psycho Madness fight in uh, Metal Gear Solid One, really trippy. Uh, was he in Metal Gear Solid Two? Um, I don't think so. I think he's, Liberty. He's, he showed up in Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and he's in the new one, so. He just, he just won't die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he, he he looks different, too. I always liked his mask. Yeah, that gas mask, or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, some some great games for, um, you know, GameCube. And I'm not sure about Dreamcast, but... Yeah, they had a handful, but that era of video games was a great era. I think they had a lot of great games. Yeah, Metal Gear Between Solid PS2, one. Xbox, and GameCube. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not sure about the Dreamcast, but... <laughs> they had a couple, yeah. It wasn't all bad. Crazy Taxi. That was a big game for the Dreamcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the game. It was kind of like uh, an open-world game, kind of like those uh, Need for Speed games where you just go around and pick up people. Yeah, right? and just try to get them to their destination as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. That was the whole game? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like those uh, the Grand Theft Auto games without the walking around. Yeah, just the driving. <laughs> you don't have to carjack, do you? Just have your own taxi. <laughs> you have your own taxi. <laughs> anyway, sorry I interrupted you, Tim. I don't know how we. Oh yeah, because GameStop. Because our rating scale. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to comic reviews, which is going to be. Oh Dark wait, can Knight's I say middle. some one more thing, Tim? About... <laughs> oh, you, you got to just get it out. Go ahead. <laughs> I bought because it was on sale. I bought um, uh, L.A. Noir. <laughs> for oh, <PC>. you did. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that game was good, but that ending. <laughs> that game is probably one of the biggest letdowns for me. Uh, probably one of the top ten letdowns. Wow, that's yeah. yeah. I got it because it looked cool. I didn't have super high expectations for it. So. Don't get me like, wrong. Some of the investigations, like the homicide, well, when you get to the homicide desk, um, yeah, that's when the game really kicks off. But everything before that and after that, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if I really care if somebody's, you know, 
this, somebody stole a car. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like so the ending was the biggest disappointment for me on that game. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And plus, your but character dies. Like, it's so, so in a lame way too. <laughs> by a flood in the sewers, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, your experience will be better the second time. Now that you got it again. <laughs> well, it's going really slow because uh, I'm in uh, Vice now. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting to get to that uh, to become a homicide detective. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why they just didn't make you a homicide detective to begin with. I thought it was kind of cool where you start off with like a little a beat cop and then you yeah. work your way up in the rankings. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of solving mysteries and, you know, cases, <laughs> Dark Knight Metals kind of ties into that a little bit. <laughs> nice, nice. So, yeah, this is the first issue of The Big Event by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And first off, which this great reading another comic by them again. I mean, you know, we got All-Star Batman by Scott Snyder, but without Greg Capullo, so having his artwork back with Scott Snyder's story is great to have again. And uh, this one, it started off really great. I mean, it's just one of those things where it almost starts like a movie where there's a big action sequence that play, that takes place that you just jump right in, but yet it's not super connected to the story. It's just, you know, kind of getting you invested in the characters. And this one kind of starts off like that, where the Justice League are you know on war world with uh, mongol who's having them fight in the arena and they all have like these gladiator armors on that's nullifying their powers a bit and they're going up against these uh, big gigantic robotic monsters that you know he has uh mongol has the kid toy man captured and they're part of his creation so they're going up uh, against those and it was just a great action sequence between all the justice league members trying to take down these monsters and of course uh, batman figures out the way to defeat them, even though they're kind of nullifying their powers. Uh, Toy Man had these little secret switches hidden in there for them to use so they could, you know, the Justice League can use it to their advantage. Batman figures it out. And the other Justice League members are kind of hesitant about his plan because it involves you getting eaten by these robotic monsters. So they're going to let themselves be taken captive and be eaten by these monsters. But it turns out uh, they're, they're able to control these mechanized suits, and then they pretty much form the Justice League version of Voltron or the Megazord from Power Rangers. <laughs> they just like combine these mechs into one, and it's crazy, it's outlandish, but I dug it. It was pretty cool to see play out, you know, because they're in a fantastical setting anyway on Warworld fighting these monsters with Mongols. So it was a cool thing to have the Justice League, you know, have their own version of Voltron <laughs> in a way, but it was so short that it didn't take up the whole issue or played a big part in the story it was just cool to see them do that and maybe it will because you know it isn't this event is called metal and these were some metallic monsters that they were fighting so maybe that will come back in a way but i just thought it was just a nice introduction uh, for this story to have a fun action sequence so i love that but then uh, the justice league is returning to earth and they get a message from alfred as they're <laughs> there was a great exchange between batman and green lantern i always love batman and green lantern dialogue because green lantern has a construct of a ship and that batman flash and cyborg are flying in and batman's talking to alfred you know get ready like we're approaching the atmosphere in 30 seconds and green lantern just says you know you're not really flying that thing right <laughs> because obviously it's his construct he has control of it so i just love more getting more dialogue like that between batman and green lantern but they return to gotham and alfred tells them and they just see for themselves there's this big mountain that just showed up in Gotham and tore down a big part of the city. 
Now, most of the people were able to get out, as Alfred tells them. Um, there was like this big electrical thunderstorm that happened right before it popped up. So Superman and kind of sees like there's a bunker inside the that mountain, and he sends Flash to investigate. They find this door with this symbol on there, kind of looks like an hourglass. So they go into this bunker, and there's this chamber in there, and there's a strange energy that they're feeling. And Green Lantern recounts back to the time in the he was in the Batcave and he felt that energy with Duke where he ran into the Joker. It's similar to that. And so as they're investigating this bunker, they get uh, the, uh, the spe- spec op groups that Batman encountered in All-Star Batman, the Blackhawks. They show up and they say, you know, they encounter them and they're saying, you know, they've been tracking Batman. Batman says they've been tracking them. And then uh, we get the reveal that the leader of the Blackhawks is none other than Kendra Saunders, a.k.a. Hawk Girl. And we know, especially in those prelude stories of metal that we've gotten, Hawkman, we've been learning about him and his investigation into the nymph metal and uh, the, how it ties into the Dark Matter universe. So uh, Kendra takes the Justice League to, you know, a secret location where, you know, she calls them uh, like phantom uh, frequencies, like they're places in the world that light they exist outside of the normal like existence of things where they won't be tracked uh, because she's saying there's someone that we don't want to hear the information they have for you. So she begins telling them, you know, about Carter's investigation. And then the cool part of it, which I dug is the whole explanation as far as the dark multi-universe. She's telling them, you know, she shows a map of the multiverse that shows all 52 worlds and flashes a green with her. Yeah. Like I've studied the multiverse for years too. And so it's like, there's nowhere else uh, for this nymph metal to come from because she's saying it's signature sources found nowhere in the multiverse. So what she does is she just flips over her map of the multiverse and it's just darkness. It's blank. She goes like, unless it, she goes, it came from here, a dark multiverse. So kind of indicating, you know, that, you know, as, the multiverse that we know today, there's a flip side to it. If you just turn things over a dark multiverse, you know, like the two side of the same coin type of thing, which I thought was cool. Something, a different aspect to the multiverse that we know, but yet yeah, makes sense. I thought so in order for there to be something that no one knew about. So I did like that. And she tells the story about, you know, their investigation, you know, they've been doing this for years with different, you know, allies. we get glimpses of the original Black Hawk team, like from the 1940s, the Metal Men, Red Tornado. So they tell she tells the story of what their investigation leads. There's this uh, ancient evil that lies in the dark multiverse called Barbados that they're trying to stop from coming, making his way through the dark multiverse into the main multiverse. And she's saying he yet there's a human doorway that's needed for him with divine with five divine metals. She describes it as a way for him to get in, involved and do the dark multiverse to our world. And she goes it's from all the research and some of the names they're referencing. There's a word called the wagon, but the root of that name, like the wagon, is supposed to be the vessel that would bring him out of the dark multiverse. But the origin of that name is Wayne, and Batman will be the one who will let him in. And you know, Bruce has been. You know, in those two prelude issues, been investigating this since, you know, the whole thing with Joker and the Dianosium uh, scenario and all the different, uh, like Scott Snyder said, this is going to tie back to some of his early stories and the tooth from the Court of Owls that he kicked out of uh, or punched out of Dick Grayson's mouth. So ever since he's noticing this different material in this metal, he's been investigating it. And he's learning here that he's involved in it in a big way, that he's the one who's going to be used to bring this Barbados back from the dark multiverse. But 
once he says that the Blackhawks try to arrest Batman, but Batman had a plan going in. He wanted to go there to learn all the information he can from the Blackhawks, and he causes a distraction by letting Red Tornado uh, run amok and cause trouble, and he gets the heck out of here, leaving the Justice League kind of on themselves. And so the issue ends with Bruce back in the Batcave, you know, investigating more of the nymph metal and this, you know, this pure sample that he got of it by being there of this dark energy that he's never had before. And then as he's hearing this, or as he's investigating this, him and Alfred hear something, they hear a humming. It's almost like a tuning fork, Alfred says. So Bruce is going up into his library and we're getting a monologue of Carter Hall's final entry in his journal about his investigation into this. And so Batman sees uh, his bat logo highlighted, like lit up on the floor. So he opens that up and he finds Carter Hall's journal that he's been reading. And he's, you know, he finds it and he says, oh, it's true. All of the speculation, the research I've been doing, the dark multiverse, it's true. But then we hear a voice before we turn the page that says, yes, Batman. And before I read this issue, I remained spoiler free, but I knew there was going to be a big reveal. I first thought there's a big reveal at the end. Maybe we learn some information or some secret character would pop up. And we do get a, a character that pops up, but I got to say it didn't have an impact on me because I never read the story he was from. And <laughs> the character that showed up is uh, is the character Dream from Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And I never read that story. And I'm probably you know going to lose more credit on my uh, comic book geek card <laughs> because I never read that. I've heard it's great. So I know this got a lot of people excited that you know the character Dream from Sandman is going to be playing a role in the Dark Knight's metal story. But so it didn't have quite the impact of like, wow, where I dropped the issue. I can't believe he showed up. Kind of like how the Watchmen reveal in uh, the Rebirth one shot was or would have been, I should say, if I didn't get spoiled on that by Twitter. But (laughs) that would have had been impact. So uh, this issue I liked. It was good. I liked how they're setting up the Dark Multiverse. The one thing I'm a little concerned about is how batman's role is it is going to be because i don't want it to be where like he was this destined character who this creature barbados knew about for the beginning and knew batman or bruce was destined to be batman or batman has a bigger legacy to in his history than just being a character a person who lost his parents and wanted to uh you know get vengeance on them and make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else that's all batman needs at the core of his character and his origins that I like and think needs to define him. He doesn't have to have this whole ancient history backstory because the first pages of the issue actually starts, you know, with these three tribes of of like the bear, uh, I think it was the bear, the wolf and the, and the bird. I might be mixing those up or (laughs) exchanging them, but then there's the bat uh, tribe that came late after that. And, you know, just leading to there's more to Batman's history than maybe we were led to believe, which I hope it doesn't go that route. Because, like I said, I just want Batman's story to be simple. He lost his parents and he's won justice for them. So that's all it needs to be. So I'll give Scott Snyder the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that because he's done great stuff with Batman in the past that worked. So I and he's respectful to Batman's origin. And I don't think he's going to do anything now to totally change it and drastically uh, make it more than it has to be. So we'll have to see. There was a little tease that might tie into uh, Grant Morrison's Return of Bruce Wayne. He was traveling through time because maybe that's where that early Bat tribe came from because we know Bruce, when he went to like the prehistoric time where he was like Caveman Batman, he had that Bat symbol drawn on the wall. And there was a line of dialogue in Carter Hall's journal talking about Barbados at the end where he says, uh, Barbados has been after its target, meaning Bruce, 
or I'm assuming so, since the dawn of man, it first saw him in a final moment of crisis. So I think that's a lead-in or tie-in to maybe, you know, in Final Crisis, Bruce got zapped by Dark Side's Omega Beans and got sent to the past. So maybe that is going to connect to that somehow, which, um, you know, I, I'd be okay with because it's, you know, Bruce was there at that time because he was already Batman and his origin was the same and he got sent there by Darkseid. So it wouldn't be this massive destiny type thing. So we'll have to wait and see. I enjoyed it. It was a good issue. Uh, the only thing that holds it back from me and truly great is my concern about maybe making too much of Batman's history and the uh, dream uh, appearance by that character not having a big impact on me. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five dollars that uh, GameStop's going to give me for trading in a used console. So I don't know. Did you read the Sandman comics, Dane? No, I didn't. Okay, so I was gonna ask you if that would have been a major, big deal for you if you saw he was appearing in a DC comic. No, not me too. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're in the same boat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess that's it. Right, yep. Tim? All right. Unfortunately, so I didn't get Detective this week. I couldn't make it to my comic book store, but oh. hopefully, I. I know there's a big Tim Drake's finally going to be coming back, or he's finally getting a story arc that's going to have him come back uh, to the main. Because oh, he's been prisoned by that character Oz in Action Comics, so he's going to be making his way back. There's a great cover for I forget the issue number, but when that arc does start, it's like mimicking uh, a lonely place of dying. Uh, that cover, so it's going to be hopefully some nice callbacks to that, which should be cool. So hopefully uh, it's pretty soon because I think the issue I missed is involves spoiler and. Her team up with Anarchy, which, you know, not, I'm going to read it, of course, when I get it, but I'm not super, you know, anxious to hurry up and get it. So, <laughs> but I should have a review for Detective by our next uh, <laughs> issue, or our next episode, I should say. I just don't know if that's the Tim Drake one or there's one more with that spoiler story. So, we'll see. All right. So, with that, let's go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse. Follow Tim on Twitter at TimG311. And Back to the 311s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes uh, where you can rate and review us. So please do that. And email the show at BatFansWithoutPants at gmail.com. If you follow the show on Twitter, the show's, the show's Twitter handle is at BatFansPodcast. So with that being said, what do we say at the end of every single episode? We love each and every one of you with all of our bad hearts. All of our bad hearts. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.